This is the day that the Lord has made, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Hallelujah. Let us pray. God, we, your people, we give you honor and praise for your most holy word. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart, Lord, be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. The scripture reading for today comes from Judges, Judges 4, chapter 4, 4 through 7, and chapter 5, 1 to 3, the New King James Version. Amen? Now Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lepidus, was judging Israel at that time. And she was set under the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the mountains of Ephraim. And the children of Israel came up to her for judgment. Then she sent and called for Barak and the son of Ammonon from Kadesh and Nephtali and said to him, has not the Lord God of Israel commanded, go and deploy troops at Mount Tabor. Take with you 10,000 men of the son of Nephtali and of the son of Zebulun. And against you, I would deploy Sisera, the commander of the Jabin's army, with his chariots and his multitude at River Kishon, and I will deliver him into your hand. Judges 5, 1 through 3, begins Deborah's song. Then Deborah and Barak, the son of Abanon, sang on that day, saying, When leaders lead in Israel, when the people willingly offer themselves, bless the Lord. Hear, O kings, give ear, O princes. I, even I, will sing to the Lord. I will sing praise to the Lord God of Israel. This is the word of God for the people of God. Praise be to God. So we look at chapter 4 of Judges and chapter 5 of Judges. And we just need to know two major things. that These two chapters have two major literary structures. Chapter 4 is a prose account. Grammatical structure using the natural flow of speech. Chapter 5 is a poetic account. It's rhythmic structure using the flow of beat patterns. You know those patterns, you know? Those kind of patterns. And let me give you a, a futuristic personal example. If I gave you the prose account of me going to a conference and, and meeting a handsome, a handsome man, and he decided to come over and, and speak to me, and then after talking for a while, he decided to ask me, would I go out to eat dinner with him the next day? And I said yes. So that is the prose account. When I come home and to my friends, I will give them the poetic account. My heart was beating fast as he asked me to go eat with him. I did not know what to do, but at last I said yes. The prose and the poetic account. Chapter four, prose and chapter five, poetic. Now Joshua chapter four, it contains the prose version of Deborah's victory story. The setting is at the end of the Bronze Age and the beginning of the Iron Age. Just for historical facts, 
the Stone Age was from the dawn of civilization to about 4,500 BCE, before Common Era. We, we often think of saying BC, but the term BCE is used. The Copper and Stone Age was between 4,500 and 3,500 BCE. The land of Canaan, the Bronze Age, was an intermediate part with 3,500 to 1,200 BCE. So at the end of the Bronze Age, 1,200 BCE, and the beginning of the Iron Age, 1,200 to 332 BCE, this is the timeline that the story of Deborah takes place. And so we look at what was going on. There was 12 judges during this time. And what happened is that you have a circle that's shown, and what's shown is all the 12 judges' names. And the judges just keep going round and round in circles. They will obey God, they will do well for a while, then they will sin, and they go into uh, be in prison. They will cry out to the Lord. The Lord will heal, hear them and heal them, and they'll be in a good measure with the Lord for a while, but then they'll forget and they go back and circle and sin again. So this is what the people of Israel did for many, many, many years. And what we found was that, that after Eho's death, when Israel again, they sinned against the Lord. So the Lord let them be conquered by King Jabin of Hazar. Now we see these figures, this is the figure that is likened to a golden calf. It is, shows us how the Israels, they took on the Canaanite relig religious custom. And then you see the Canaanite god Baal of the 14th, 12th century. Now Baal is a god that the children of Israel in their sin took on denying God and taking up false gods. And we know that Baal, someone, some people pronounce it Baal, they believe to control fertility and agriculture and, and beasts and mankind. And, and because of that, they wanted to make sure they worship this false god so that the land would flourish. Also, you need to know that one of the things with Baal worshiping is that they practice ritual prostitutions and even child sacrifices. So the children of Israel were sinning against God during this time that Deborah was on the scene. So the first point I want to bring to mind is that Deborah held court. Deborah held court. And in this scene, is a characteristic of Deborah under a palm tree. It's a, the children of Israel, they begged the Lord for help because they were being in prison and being held captives and they begged the Lord for help. And so a leader, prophetess, a judge, Deborah was called. And so she held court under the palm tree. And this palm tree was between Ramah and Bethel in the hill of Ephraim. And so when I look at this characteristic of the palm tree, I can see that she was there. But what is majestic, majestic, is looking up from a real palm tree. You almost can see the majesty of the Lord. And this is somewhat of how Deborah mediated between the people of Israel during this time. 
God alone, God alone appointed Deborah as prophetess. God alone appointed Deborah as judge over Israel. She was in between times of the deliverers of Moses and, and Joshua, the kings, like David and Solomon. Not only did Deborah hold court, point one, but Deborah, ma Deborah made and took the call. Deborah made and took the call. The next slide shows you a schematic of the land that Israel lived in. It was sandwiched between the Great Sea, the Mediterranean Sea, and the Dead Sea, showing the low valley land and the high mountain region. One day, Deborah, she summoned Barak, who lived in Kadesh, in the land of Naphtali, and said to him, the Lord God of Israel, the Lord God of Israel has commanded you to mobilize 10,000 men from the tribes of Naphtali and Zebulun to fight the Canaanites, and you will defeat them. Deborah, she made the call, but she also took the call. Point number two, because when Barak said, I will go if only you go with me, Deborah. So Deborah said, all right, I'll go with you. But because God called you to go and you have decided to alter God's plan, I'm warning you, the honor of conquering Sisera, the commander of the Canaanites, will go to a woman. I'm reminded of Yolanda Adams' songs and I think Barack didn't have this in his mind, that the battle is not yours, Barack. It's the Lord. It's the Lord. It's the Lord. You don't have to fight the battle. The Lord will fight your battle for you. And so there are reasons why Barack wanted Deborah to go with him. Because what was going on is that the Israelites, they had iron chariots, which is depicted in this slide. Each chariot in this time frame had two men in the crew. They had a driver and an archer. So the Canaanites had iron chariots. And in this particular scene, in this battle, they had 900 iron chariots. And the reason that Barak may have been a little hesitant is that for the last 20 years, they were not able to beat them. So what is going to happen differently this time that could make the scene the change? So Deborah agreed to to go with him. So Deborah held court, number one. Deborah made the call to Barak to take the lead, but because he wouldn't go, he took the call, number two. She also, point number three, Deborah made the climb. So the army of Israel, they camped at Mount Tabor. 10,000 men, Deborah had Barak to go to get together, and they camped at Mount Tabor. 
And what happened was that 10,000 men on foot to fight 900 men iron chariots whom they could not defeat for the last 20 years. So how would this happen? So it's interesting of the military maneuver that was going on. So when the commander of the Canaanite Sisera, he was a commander of the Canaanites, his name was Sisera, was told that the commander of the Israelite was camped at Mount Tabor. Sisera, he mobilized here his, his entire 900 iron chariots and he went to the river Kishon. And so you see two things going on. You have Mount Tabor and you have the Kishon River. So you have the Israelite on the mountains and you have the Canaanites in the lowland. And this is because the iron chariots, they ruled all of the low-lying lands during that period. And because the iron chariots would drive them out and would rout the Israelite, it came a time when they realized that we no longer can stay in this low land. So they went up in the hills, up into the mountainsides. And so Deborah knew from historical perspective that the mountainside would be the best place to see what was going on. So the mountaintop and the, the valley low. The mountaintop, the Israelites. The mountain low, the Canaanites. Hallelujah. So the Canaanite commander, Sisera, he mobilized his entire armor to the Kishon River. So Deborah told the commander of Israel, Barak, now it is a time for you right now, get up. She said get up, so he must have was doing something, not paying attention. But she was there with them, so they made a team. She said, now is the time for action, get up. For this is the day the Lord will deliver our enemy into our hands. So Barak led the 10,000 men from the mountain down the slopes towards the river into battle. So Deborah, she held court. She made and took the call. She made the climb up Mount Tabor. And then she, she shared the conquest. She shared the conquest. There was in antiquity explained what is not written in chapter four, that there was torrent, torrential rain that came down because the Canaanites, their 900 iron chariots, the lowland where they had been fast and destroying the Israelites for over 20 years, this time was different because Deborah is a prophetess and the Lord told her to go fight the battle. She didn't do it on her own, so the Lord told her. She may not know how she was gonna do it, but the Lord told her to do it. So torrential rain, it came down and it reminded me of a song that Brenda Waters sing. And the title of Brenda Waters' song is Victory. And it goes a little like this. I don't know how God's gonna do it. 
I don't know when God's gonna fix it but one thing sure God's gonna make a way for me God will do it victory so Deborah didn't know how God was gonna do it but God had his own plan in his own time to fix it for Deborah so Barak and his army they were chased and destroyed they chased and destroyed the Canaanite army but their commander Sisera got away at least for the moment if you're going to destroy some, something in this totality, you must get the head. You must get the head, or it'll come up and bite you again. So Sisera, he escaped to the tent of jail, the wife of Heber the Kenite. So this is very important. The clan of Heber, King Jabin of Hazar. So there was a clan of Israelite who moved away from the main territory of Israel, and they moved closer to the Canaanite headquarters. So they had a, a, a mediation, and they came to terms that if, if you don't bother me, I won't bother you. I'll make things from you, iron materials for you, and you will pay me accordingly. So they had a mutual agreement. So that's why Sisera thought that he could escape the battle and go to the clan of Heber because they had a, a, a term that they were not going to hurt each other. They would be at peace with each other. But Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite, she remembered who she was. Sometimes when we make alliances, we make alliances with our enemies, we make alliances with things we should not be doing, we make alliances over here and over there, and we become comfortable with the alliances of those things that are not with God. But to, when we come back to ourselves, we realize that God is in control, that God is God and God alone. So when Sisera came to her tent, he asked her for water and she gave him milk. Can anyone type in online on why you think giving him milk instead of water would be a good thing for the Israelite? He asked for water, she gave him milk. He asked for water, she gave him milk. And when I think, when I think about this, it comes to mind that a lot, a lot of times our, our enemies will want us to be in agreement with us and, and they ask us to do something and we just say we're not going to do anything. And so the whole agreement is, is out of wax and, and it doesn't happen. But what she did was she gave him liquid. He asked for water. She gave him milk. And, and I realized in, in more research that, 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 Milk, it contains something that increases your serotonin. And it is a neutral transmitter. And it's known for happiness and well-being. And it's also known for a good night's sleep. So Sisera went to sleep. 
And what happened next? That Jael, she remembered her true self, that she was an Israelite. And she took, she took a, the tent peg. She took the tent peg and she, she held it in her hands. And she nailed the tent peg into Sisera temple. She nailed it so hard that it went through his temple down to the grounds. So it, 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 that reminded me of sometimes when I need to finish, finish things off. I need to put the nail, the last nail in it so it'll be finished with. And I may just, you know, I'm going to stop doing it. I'm going to do something different. She kept pounding and pounding. It went through the temple. She kept pounding and pounding to it. It went to the ground. She kept pounding and pounding until Sisera perished. And that's what I think that we should take a look at this story. That when the enemy comes to our camp, don't play around with it. I don't care what kind of relationship you had with it in the past, what kind of agreements you had in the past with it. Don't play around it. Drive a peg through its temple and let it perish. Hallelujah. So what we have here is that chapter 4 was a prose. But chapter 5, and verses 1 through 3 in particular, is poetic. It is Deborah's song of victory. And I just want to read it again. Then sang Deborah and Barak, the son of Abanon, on that day, saying, Praise ye the Lord for the avenging of Israel. When the people willingly offered themselves, Hear, O ye kings, give ear, O ye princes. I, even I, will sing unto the Lord. I will sing praises to the Lord God of Israel. So at this time, if you're able, we're going to hear a few minutes of the song by Yolanda Adams, and the title of this song is Victory. And during this time, I would like for you to share as much or little as possible of a victory song that you had in the past. And I think this is important. I think it's important to, to do the prose and the poetic version, just like Deborah did. I think it's important that we verbally and that we write down our stories, the things that we have gone through in life so we can pass it on like the people of old from generation to generation and not to lose our history. But not only the prose, but sometimes I realize that when I'm looking at a story of my life and what I've done in my life and, and someone come to me for advice, I realize sometimes I'm a little harsh by giving them the prose part of my life. If I would reimagine my story and put it in the beat of the person who is listening, because young people have a different beat than we do. People of different races have, and different churches have a different beat than we do. So we have to understand how we put our prose into the poetic drum beat of the person that we're relaying the message to. So I think it's really important that write down your story, but also start thinking about the poetic sign of it so that you'll be ready when, you, when a young person or someone who's not like you want you to share their story and they don't want the harsh 
prose version. They want this poetic version, which is just as forceful, but it's a beat, a rhythm that they can feel your witness. Please listen to or see the video, Victory. And please share online any Victory songs or stories that you have. Hallelujah. through the stories of our life, we must pause and take time to, to praise God and to share the story. And one of the things about Deborah was that she, she shared the conquest with Barak and with Jael. But one thing I, I must mention, that yes, the Israelites, they conquered the Canaanites and the commander was killed by jail. 
But Sisera had a wife. And the Sisera, the commander that Jael killed, he had a wife. And so in the poem in chapter 5, it tells you about how Deborah, the prophetess, the judge, how she just didn't kill her enemies and didn't think about those people on the fringes. And oftentimes, we, we, things happen to us, and, and we, we want someone to be punished. But we must remember those people who are part of their families. And so she remembered Sisera's wife, and she included her in the book. So remember compassion as you're routing your enemies, which God wants you to do, because our enemies are not flesh and blood now, but principalities. And so we fight a spiritual fight. And we still can rout the enemy, spiritual things that are holding us down. We still can rout it. We can look at our position on the mountaintop. And we can look at our enemy with iron chariots and thinking that it's too big, it's too much, I can't handle it. But God on our side, like Brenda Waters said, it doesn't matter how he do, do it. I don't care when he does it. And she sung that song, and she, it was pretty with those words. But when I, I saw the video and she sung in the church, not only did she say, I don't care how he do it, I don't care when he do it, she said, it really don't matter uh, how he does it. And then she went on to say, it really ain't my business uh, how he does it. The Lord said he would do it, God will do it.